this evening. Amen. We're going to have missionaries with us uh, soon. Amen. Acts chapter 27. Also, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You guys realize we're, we're going to be hitting the last chapter of Acts this evening. We're right at the end of Paul's missionary journeys. And, and I got to thinking, when did we start it? Does anybody want to take a guess at when we started Paul's missionary journeys? Because I was off when I tried to think of it. I wrote it down here. I had to, I had to actually look up in my messages of what? 20. 1, 6, 20. It's the keeper of the clothes. It's when we started. And of course, like not every single Wednesday was... Paul's missionary, but really, most Wednesdays were, like, at least 75%. Keeper of the clothes, one six twenty. that's two years and three months. So by the time three years is up, we'll finish this chapter, amen? <laughs> no, but really, uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was kind of a, it was a blessing to me. I was encouraged at it. Uh, we've been trying not to go fast, um, but to, no, it's been encouraging. I ended last week's message, and you don't have to turn there, but I ended it with 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the preaching of the cross, it's to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 21, it says, For after that in the wisdom of God, uh, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's where I ended last week. And what a wonderful picture of salvation that is. 275 souls were on board that ship. They trusted in what the man of God had to say about the word of God. And they were all saved that day from that instance. Amen. I don't believe I have a long message. I, I believe it's, well, I shouldn't say short, but uh, we are going to turn a little bit. So if you have the mindset of study, mindset of turning a little bit, I'd like to uh, begin the message where we left off Acts 27, 41. Going back a few verses and getting a head start here. Acts 27, 41 says, And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the fore part stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was uh, hinder, hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept him from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first in the sea and get the land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all to, uh, safe to land. Everyone on board was safe because they put their trust in the word of God for that salvation that day. Not necessarily for eternal life, but for that instance. Amen. Brother Zollers, would you open this message in a word of prayer, brother? Amen. Acts chapter 28, the last chapter in Acts. Acts chapter 28, verse 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called uh, Melita. 
And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled the fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul gathered, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. I wonder what you put up there for that. Amen. You know, we we know this story. That this is the church crowd on Wednesday night. But I'd like to point out, right, they just spent 14 days or nights out on the, in this storm, right? They're basically, they're, they ate a little bit, but they're basically starving. They're freezing. They, they, they're miserable. I, I can't imagine the, the mental stress of that, uh, potentially dying at any moment for 14 days. And then, then you're basically shipwrecked, and, and you, you got to make it on shore with whatever... Whatever you can, it's been raining, it's cold, just miserable, miserable. And you finally make it to a fire. What would most of us do? Not move from that fire. But what would a leader do? Take the initiative to see a need and say, I'm going to go get more wood. Paul did that. I got a blessing out of that. Amen. But verse 4, And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, and they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth uh, of. I'd like to unpack this verse just for a moment before we move on any further in the story. First of all, these natives are barbarians according to the author, right? Uh, kind of humorous the way they would write about that. But... But they expected Paul to, to, to die simply from one single viper bite. Which means that it's a venomous snake. A seriously venomous snake. It wasn't like he got a bite and they're, they're waiting for him to die a day later or two days later. They were expecting him to die quickly. I, uh, I studied venomous snakes last night. I, I didn't get very... I was, I was trying to... Trying to narrow down what kind of snake it probably was. Good luck. If you guys can get any better studying, amen, teach me. Um, I didn't get very far on that. There's so many thoughts on what it could be and couldn't be. Um, so nothing was conclusive to that specific snake. Except, except this. The deadliest venom snakes can kill anywhere between 30 minutes and 3 hours. The deadliest uh, snakes in the world. Between 30 minutes and 3 hours. That's pretty quick. you got to get to the hospital quick. And, 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 and likely, it was one of them kind of deadly venomous snakes for it to happen, for them to expect Paul to die so quickly. And oftentimes when these venomous snakes would bite you, they, they'll cling to you with their teeth. And they'll stay on you. And when you know a snake is staying on you, that's a really bad sign because it's probably pumping venom into you as they're hanging on to you. So that was, I'm sure the natives knew from the look of it exactly what the snake was. But the second thing was the snake's hanging on to them. So it was quite clear to, to, to the natives what it was. I'm sure Paul knew what it was too. Amen. <coughs> Let's continue on. Uh, verse 5. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they... They looked when he should have fallen or fallen down dead suddenly. That's key words. 
I read a few commentaries, by the way, and they wanted to act like a week could have gone by, or two weeks could have gone by, or days could have... No. They expected him to fall down suddenly, which means this is a, a venomous, deadly snake where he's going to die very, very quickly. Amen. But after that, they had looked a, a great while and saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god, little g. <coughs> That's not the first time Paul was uh, thought to be a god by a group of people. Remember when he was... When Paul called himself Saul and he was with Barnabas, uh, what they call him, Jupiter or Mercury? Am I saying that right? And, uh, you know, right there, for a lot of us, our ministries would end because we would accept it, you know. like Kind of like uh, C-3PO on Star Wars. Amen. Let me keep moving, though. Amen. So first of all... Um, the natives expect him to fall down quickly. Second of all, these natives had a belief in a higher power. You, you know, the neighbor here, Chris, he, he's a really nice guy. He's a, we get along great. We've had a lot of long talks. Um, he, he doesn't necessarily believe in the God of the Bible, though he leans that way, according to his own words. Uh, he calls himself agnostic. He believes that there has to be a higher power. There has to be a creator. He believes that. And, and, and I believe that scripturally, every man and woman and child actually believe that. They just suppress it, according to Romans chapter 1. <coughs> um, but they concluded that, that, these natives concluded that Paul was destined to die. He, he already survived the shipwreck. But these natives concluded that was a deadly snake. He should have dropped dead suddenly. <coughs> The gods must want him dead because he survived the shipwreck. Whatever he did, and, they probably, and I think it even mentioned, they knew, I think they knew he was a prisoner. I don't think I'm saying that out of turn. But either way, they're thinking, they're, 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 they're putting their belief in a, in a higher power. And, and I want to point out that the foundational thinking of the natives weren't wrong. The, the, the idea of paying for your sins is actually biblical. In the foundation point of it. Of course they were wrong in every other level. But paying for our sins is something that's actually biblical. You don't have to turn there. But number 32.23. Be sure your sin will find you out. When did God tell his people that? Right coming out of 400 years out of bondage. Be sure your sin will find you out. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. We'll turn for the next few minutes and a few portions of scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. The idea of uh, paying for your sins, that there's a higher power out there. Knowing Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. Solomon knew about this. The, the preacher, he wrote about it. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with what? Every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We got a lot to answer for. As much as we think we do good, well, I'm the pastor of the church. Well, I do, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I do so much good. I got to an answer for every bad thing I do, every bad thought that I think. All the good that I don't do, even though I could have done it, but I didn't. I got an answer for that. And I and I go so far as to say, you know, we put pastors on a, 
this pedestal missionaries, evangelists, whoever, Sunday school teachers. But so often, so often, I believe that, when, in my opinion, when we get to heaven, there's going to be so many Christians that held no position, that weren't in the limelight in any way, that are going to have so many more blessings. So many more blessings. I, I just in, in the tithing world, I used to, to, to count tithe. And every, all the money coming, I would help count Brother John Zollers and Danny Ping. And, <coughs> and you would think, oh, they must give a lot. And they must give, I mean, just naturally, just thoughts that run through your mind. But you'd be shocked who gave what and who, man, like the widow's might. It's like, what a, you know, counting money is, it's a real big blessing, but it can also be real discouraging. Amen. Amen. What I'm saying is just because we're in a suit and tie doesn't mean we're all that in a bag of chips. I think I am, often. And that alone is messed up, Brother Tony. Amen. No, I don't deserve nothing. Amen. Where was I? Went off on the tangent. Oh, yeah. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to take this little route and we're going to get right back into our main text in a, in a little bit here. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Wouldn't have been great if I would have said turn there before I went talking and telling stories, Miss Darla? Amen. Solomon knew about this, being sure your sins will find you out. Solomon talked about every secret thing uh, will, will, will be brought into judgment, whether it's good or evil. <coughs> David, mm, he was dealt with the harsh reality of God's judgment for his sins. And boy, did he pay dearly for it. He, David could have stopped there saying, oh, this is wrong. I, I, the, my, my pain is too hard for me to bear. I can't serve God anymore. I'm going to quit going to church. I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit telling people about the, the, the Son of God that's going to come one day to save us from our sins. But he didn't. It was his reaction, his 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 his, uh, 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 his testimony, his how he reacted to the situation is where the blessings came. Second Samuel twelve ten it says, Now therefore the sword should never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Well, here know the story. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. Now look at that. The Lord said. He will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thee, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. We know, we know that story. For thou, didst, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. These barbarians were right in the fact that a higher power has given us bounds in which we live in there are consequences. And I can just hear somebody listening to this message, maybe online at some point in time, and saying, no, I can live however I want to. I can do whatever I want to. I have free will. Amen, we do. But there's consequences to everything that we do. STDs, perfect example. Consequences. Drug addiction, consequences of living wrong. Pornography addiction, consequences. Eating too much sugar consequences it just is and not only are there consequences for what we do with our bodies but there's consequences <coughs> um, but we all have to give an account with what we do with our 
parts and with our time. And I think that we forget that. I, I, I do. I think as Christians we forget. It's not just what we do physically, just like the legalistic Pharisees all the time. Well, because I go to church, because I tithe, because I went to this, and because I was a part of that, I gave you this charity. It's not just the things we do. Those are all good works, and those are great. Those should be a symptom of the heart. But it's what we do with our heart. It's what we do with our time, amen, with our thoughts. We jump to Romans chapter, I oh, know, we don't have to turn, turn to Mark 16. Mark 16, while you're turning there, I read Romans 14, 11, says, For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. These native men who are witnessing literally this miracle was expecting Paul to drop dead. They went from expecting Paul to drop dead to believing that he was a God because he didn't drop dead. They did just witness a miracle. And here's something that's interesting. This came to my mind. I'm sure it came to your mind as well. Jesus literally said this would happen. Literally. Mark 16, 17. Words are read. It's Jesus talking. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, can I just point this out real quick as we read this? Look at the, 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 the foreshadowing here. The, the, the future expression of the word shall. Jesus said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. What's that mean before we move on? That means it hasn't happened yet. Verse 18, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus talking about a future date. Were the 12 disciples not saved because they didn't do all that stuff? Yet? The point that we, we know that these things happen and God gave uh, gifts on the uh, men at, the, at the, the day of Pentecost and the man, amazing gifts of the Spirit. I, I can't even imagine the things that they were able to witness and see and live and be a part of. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that Paul had some amazing gifts of the Spirit during that time. One of which was healing the sick. Here's the thing that, that, that the message isn't snake handling or nothing. Though it, we could do a message against snake handling. But the, there was no point in the Bible where preachers got up, disciples got up and were playing with deadly snakes to prove that nothing was going to kill them because they had a gift of the Spirit. That never happened. That is not biblical. Paul got bit by a snake. He wasn't trying to play with the snake. Snakes are gross. Nobody likes snakes. Kill everyone. Amen. I'm going to get hate emails now. But Jesus literally foretold that that would happen. You say, well, he didn't call out Paul's name specifically. Or for, just in general, God was saying, hey, 
Serpents aren't going to kill him. No deadly thing, amen. But one of the gifts of the Spirit, one of which was healing the sick, and he did that in the very island of Malta. Look at back to our text, Acts chapter 28, verse 7. <coughs> in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, hope I'm saying that right, who received us and lodged us there three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laid at us with such things as were necessary. You turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. That will be our last scripture tonight. We'll close in a few moments. Can I just point out that by our standards, Paul had every right to quit on God many, many times. I mean, just in the last, man, two years, I can't believe it's been two years and three months. But just in these Wednesday night and the studies that we've been doing and, and we've been seeing the missionary journeys, we, we see right out of the gate, man, they were running Paul out of the city. They were trying to stone him. So many, they're trying to kill him all the time. Even in Paul's testimony, he talked about he was whipped and he was beaten and he was shipwrecked I think he said three times and he was left for dead and he was all these things he, he caused pain by our standards Paul could have quit at any time and none of us would have said anything again we, we man he had every right to quit now, now it don't take much for people to quit on God nowadays I tell you that by our, by our standards we would have uh, quit preaching the gospel if we were Paul First time the legalistic crowd ran us out. By our standards, uh, we would have lost our testimony on the ship during the 14-day storm. But by our standards, we would have uh, let somebody else get the firewood after all. We were tired. I mean, we were miserable. By our standards, we would have let somebody else deal with it. By our standards, we would have, we would have thrown ourselves a pity party. We, I mean, that would have been the last straw. We would have said, Lord, God, I, I, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been left for dead. I've been whipped. Uh, I, I was shipwrecked again. Uh, here I am. I just, I'm starving. I just want to get warm. I even, I even took the initiative to be a leader, and I went out and got some firewood for everybody else. And now I get bit by a snake. By our standards, Paul had every right to just say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Gentiles could just go to hell in a handbasket. I'm done with y'all. But through all the pain and suffering, man, I thank the Lord that Paul kept his testimony. What a witness it is for us. I've seen my dad go through a lot of things uh, uh, by from uh, old church people. Amen. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. When people use the excuse church hurt for not being faithful in the ministry not being part of the ministry Paul the religious crowd was after Paul the whole time Paul had a right to quit at any given time but through all the pain and suffering Paul didn't quit he looked to Christ he kept his testimony he kept his character and God used it and God blessed it what a principle that we if we could just grasp 
that that one single truth in our lives, just that one thing, I believe God could do great things. You don't have to turn there, but Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, them who are the called according to His purpose. Did I tell you to turn to 2 Corinthians 12? We'll be there in a minute. We'll, we'll be done in two or three minutes. <clears throat> My brother, and I'll, I'll tell you more, maybe a prayer meeting time, but he, he's not in the, in the, in the States yet. Uh, all the tests came back good, except for his little girl. They said she had COVID. They ran it, ran it, said she had COVID. Uh, long story short, he's down $7,000 at this moment. There's no place to go. He's staying in home, uh, church members' homes. He's going to try it another week or two. He's, they got a quarantine. If nobody's uh, got COVID, they can do this again. But if not, he's going to be down a whole lot more money. Got no place to go. His home's already rented out. All stuffs and stores are living out of their suitcase. Boy, we could make reasons to quit on God. We could be living in Ukraine right now, getting shelled nonstop. Nonstop. Are we five, six weeks in now? Nonstop. People we know dying, dying, leaving <coughs> our country by the millions. You better believe if we were a church in Ukraine, we'd be so thankful for what we had. We'd be so thankful and say, man, we, we, have the, we still have the liberty to meet. It, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying if, we were, if we were living in Ukraine, we'd be like, man, I, I, if the war was over or, 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 or maybe we were saved, we'd say, thank God that we're able to meet today. We started appreciating the little things that we're able to give to the Lord. We wouldn't be finding excuses not to serve Him. Paul knew this well. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God Himself had this to say to Paul. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, as Paul speaking, he said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then, I, then am I strong. There's a, a whole lot of people in Ukraine that have an opportunity to witness to Christ that we don't have. They're going through major persecutions that we don't have to deal with. My brother's in a miserable situation at this moment. He's spending out a lot of money that I don't even know that he has. But he has opportunities that God's placed him in to be a witness to somebody. You better believe there's people going to be looking at my brother and his family. How are you going to react? Are you going to act like a Christian? And they're, going to find, they're going to react to my brother's family. You know, God's looking at my brother's family and say, how are you going to react? God's looking at the people of Ukraine. How are you going to react? God's looking at Americans. How are you going to react? Are you going to, are you going to pray for your brothers over there? I'm in the firing line too. If we're not going to apply the word of God, then we're wasting our time. I don't want to be the same Christian in the same boat doing the same thing that I've always done 20 years from now. I want to grow in the Lord. I want to grow. I want to help. I don't want to just obtain knowledge. Because then we're just wasting our time making ourselves feel good. I want to share it with people. Give the gospel message to somebody. That means making a conscience effort. 
and, and I will be the first to get in line to say, man, sometimes, and like, things have calmed down for me in the last couple of weeks, but last three, four months, I'm telling you, uh, it's stressful. You know, it's stressful. And some days, some weeks, some months, some years, it's like, it's hard to find time and to make time to pray, to make time to study, to make time to grow, but to make a conscious effort to say, Today, how am I going to grow closer to the Lord? Am I going to study a specific topic? Am I going to just take one topic and study it for the next week, two weeks, month, months? Am I going to go through the same cycle, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed? Making goals for ourselves to search the scriptures. Understand it better, to memorize it. I believe with all my heart, and I'm done, I believe with all my heart that we have a church that is growing in quality here at Hope Baptist Church. I believe that we have unity in this church, and I generally look forward to what the future holds. I'm not just talking about me and Brother Tony sliding down the slide at the same time. Amen. But doing stuff for the cause of Christ. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to study your word. Help us, help us, Lord, to, to, to be doers and not hearers.